Welcome to the Really Useful Podcast. Uh, my name is Christian Carley and with me it is Ben Stegner and we are here to um, kind of uh, translate tech news for you, make things that are important to you digestible uh, as opposed to just looking like headside, uh, headlines on techie websites that don't really matter to you because it turns out a lot of these things really do matter to you. Uh, ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, ready to talk some tech, and I like I like translate. I like that. Take the boring yeah. headlines and tell you why you should care, and have some fun with it too. So I'm ready to go. Good man, good man. We're uh, this is uh, really useful podcast number five. Uh, last week we were live on YouTube. Um, it was who was it? Uh, it was me and Gavin. Uh, <laughs> I forgot who it was. Uh, it was myself and Gavin last week, and uh, we were live on YouTube. And that podcast is available to listen to on Anchor, uh, which hosts our podcast, uh, on iTunes, which is probably where most people get it. Also on Spotify and a few other places. As mentioned, it's on YouTube, and we're going to be bringing you the rest of our podcasts onto YouTube. And this one will also be on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube later, hi there, uh, welcome. We are. Uh, very happy to welcome uh, over 430 subscribers in the past week, which uh, I'm absolutely blown over by. That's very exciting. Yeah, I did my own podcast years ago. I don't think I had nearly that many listens a week. So if you've subscribed, thanks and uh, hope you enjoy the ride. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right. Um, so in this week's uh, really useful podcast, we're going to be looking at a few news items and then a few so like, topical, uh, not topical items, kind of uh, things that you can do. Um, to um, just help you out or to give you insight into things um first of all we're going to be uh, looking at stickers on whatsapp uh whether you use whatsapp or you know a younger person who does this might uh, explain uh something for you uh we're going to be looking at uh, google's uh new take on uh, helping you manage your privacy and uh how to uh, sell a phone very, very quickly indeed. We'll also be talking about how you can play some retro games on your phone with very little effort, how to manage your PC operating temperature and why a hot PC is bad. And um, also I'm going to be uh, talking about YouTube comments, which is probably um, pretty topical actually, as it goes, isn't it? Um, beyond YouTube so. and uh, into other social networks. Um, let's uh, kick off though with WhatsApp. Uh, I've only been using WhatsApp for a few months and I use it mainly to chat with um, an old school friend of mine who, uh, like me, has a great admiration for Monty Python. And we basically exchange quotes. Um, <laughs> uh, now, there's this thing. Ben, you're a little younger than me. And uh, I, I say that to make myself appear less old than I am. Uh, <laughs> you probably use WhatsApp more than me. Um I'm pretty sure you know a bit more about stickers than I do. Um, now, my, my, my kids use stickers. They're bits of paper or maybe plastic um, with an adhesive side. That's not what this is, is it? Right. No, this is the digital sticker. So, um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not like the biggest WhatsApp user, but I do use it and Telegram and Telegram has stickers, too. So um, essentially what stickers are, it's kind of the next evolution um, beyond like emojis. So if you've been around in the, the texting lingo for a while, um, you know, that emoticons were kind of the first wave. It was just the, the text. Some, so it was like the colon and the, the open parenthesis or whatever. Um, and then when we got to smartphones, we have emoji, which are like the little not animated faces, but like the cartoon faces for anything you could want, you know, the, a smile or just a cup of coffee or whatever. So stickers are now the next generation um, and they are sort of just like a 
a fun little picture you can slap into a chat. So um, with WhatsApp and they're on iMessage as well, Telegram, basically you can download a sticker pack that all have a th- some sort of theme um, and you can use them to jazz up a chat. So you'll find all sorts of goofy stickers, whether it's animals or like um, characters from like a movie or a game or something. So basically if, you, if you're bored with emoji, stickers let you react to messages and spruce up the chat even more. Okay. That's, so that's I, their use. If I just go into a, a chat, is it, it's basically, you know, you, you're putting in a message in and then where you would put in a smiley or whatever, that's where you put in your sticker, is it? Right. Yeah. There's, I yeah. think there's a stickers button in the newest version and then okay. you, um, there's, I, I'm not sure ah, in yes, WhatsApp, yes, I haven't yes. used it since the update. Um, but in other uh, messaging apps like you can, um, you can add them right through there. And then I think you download packs. Um, sometimes um, there's some that for free and then some are paid. Um, if you wanted to do that for some reason, I know telegram has a lot of fun ones. So telegram has ones that are like old art, um, or like, you know, just, just goofy, like Mr. Muscle man. And it's him doing all these different poses. So, okay. I'm, uh, what what I've just done, I just got it up on my phone, uh, from a conversation I was having with my sister a few days ago. And uh, in the absence of a professional production crew and uh, vision mixer, I'm just going to show you, um, the button on my phone there so there's my phone and it's the second button along uh, just above the there there's a gif and then there's the uh, sticker button and uh, there's uh, some stickers there that you can can you see that ben um the screen's a little bright so it's a yeah. little hard to see but how about that that angle a little bit better um it's i can almost make it out it's still pretty oh, bright okay. but yeah yeah well that's uh, that's that's uh, auto brightness on phones and cameras for you Ah, helpful, isn't it? So I, I suppose that is quite interesting. I, I think it's just this, the name Stickers is kind of, um, for want of a better name, really. But yeah, uh, yeah it seems easy enough to use. In iMessage, you can put them like on top of a message, which I find kind of weird. Like you can put like a ha-ha or something like over top of someone's message, which is strange because, I mean, you, know, you can't, it's kind of hard to read. So maybe that's why they're called Stickers. Probably a better name for them, but that works, I guess. Sure. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So uh, WhatsApp making things a little bit more um, enjoyable and fun, I suppose. Uh, now then, Google the um, those bastions of free speech and uh, openness. Uh, a lot of people have um, found over the past few years that their data is being stored by Google. They have a trail you have a trail that you leave online and you know every site that you go to whether or not it's through youtube a whether or not it's through google or not uh, there is something tracking you it might be adverts it might be um, a login system it might be google and everything you do um on google uh every search you make gets recorded now um google have decided to make it easier to get rid of its log of your search history i wonder whether um before we well we should probably just go into that a little bit um as related on makeyourself.com if you visit the google homepage and go to and you need to be signed in you go to control your data in google search you then go to a page of information and options and here you'll see your search activity and you'll have the opportunity to view all search activity and google activity and we shall also include things that you've done on an Android phone. Sure. Or YouTube. Or YouTube, yeah. And then there's various delete options there. Um, I do wonder whether maybe 
crazy. It might be just the better idea if Google didn't record any of this. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea behind DuckDuckGo, um, I, yeah. as we've talked about the site many times. Um, it's, I, I think I remember when I think it was Justin who used to write for us, wrote an article about why he was switching to DuckDuckGo. And he's talked about how and I, I can relate to this, like when you so many people like your Google search history is like a like a train of thought almost like if it's like, mm. oh, my, you know, my knee hurts, what maybe I have. I'm getting a disease, you know, like my wrist hurts, am I getting arthritis or whatever? And you're typing in my wrist hurts. What does this mean? Or like you're thinking about some movie you saw and you Google a line from the movie, all that type of thing. And when you think about like that, they have access to all that and they can see like your train of thought and what you're searching for. I mean, what you search for can really show, you know, what you're thinking. You know, if you're searching for something about pain or you're searching for some kind of like emotional or I'm lonely or this or that. So yeah. I think that's why. Even if you use Google for looking for information a lot of the time, I think it can be good to have DuckDuckGo or a backup to search like embarrassing stuff like that. But it is crazy to be able to follow that trail so yeah. closely. I'm surprised more people don't use DuckDuckGo. I've, uh, I mean, I've, I've used it, and while it's different to Google, it's um, perfectly good at delivering good results. So. It, it, I am a little bit baffled as to why it's not more widely used, but then I suppose if you've, you know, Google, like Facebook and a couple of other areas online, kind of is the internet for so many people. I, I do find it interesting, like a couple of different facets. Like you, I, I think part of it is that people stick with the default. Um, like most people are probably used to, you know, when they get a new computer, they install Chrome and, okay, you know, because Azure and Explorer sucks, you know, as the mindset. And then Chrome comes with Google and people are used to Google. Um, but then I've seen people who, you know, when they get like a search hijacker installed and it changes their homepage to some crap, fake version of Google, um, like they don't notice. So I don't mm. I don't know. I, I think a lot of it is just people aren't aware of DuckDuckGo. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. Maybe some definitely. people just don't don't think about. I think there's something about seeing all that Google search history and like other things like with the Amazon Echo, you can go in and listen to your past clips, like being able to see all that and replay it is kind of creepy in a way you don't think about when you're just quickly Googling stuff. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if, um, I wonder if people kind of, because I kind of feel as though I'm, I possibly do this. And, and that is when you've got um, a new Windows machine, at least, uh, and, you know, you've got the default browser. Do you think I've just spent X hundred quids on this computer, this Windows license? Maybe I'll give Google a chance to come in. Maybe that's a subconscious thing that's going on. I don't know. Rather than using Edge, because, you know, Internet Explorer is like gone. Uh, well, mostly gone anyway. It's only not um, the, the recommended Microsoft browser. I do wonder if people do maybe have that going on. Would you, I mean, is that something you've ever come across? Like, I, like I had to pay Microsoft for the license. I'm not using Edge type of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll use I'll use Chrome instead. Yeah, I think I I honestly it could be a little bit of that. I'm trying to think of like the average. Like, I'm trying to think of a user who's just going to use what's on the default versus someone who has like a little bit of knowledge. I think most for most people, Google is so synonymous with search that when they see Bing or whatever, they know something's not right. Like, it's just you're supposed to use Google to search. Yeah. Um, even if, even if they change, I mean, even if, you know, if they, even if they use edge, if they open up edge and they go to, they Google, they search Bing for Google or they go to google.com and their URL I'm, or URL bar, I'm pretty sure Google pops up and says, 
do you want to set this as your default your default search engine or set it as your home page and then if they do that they're using google from there on out that's what i think it is most of the time but i, I never thought about that that could be true too with just not wanting to use microsoft i think yeah. i think internet explorer has a stigma and i think because the edge logo looks like internet explorer most people are conditioned just don't use that yeah i think also going off on a slight tangent i think bing is still an awful name it is kind of awkward. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's obviously like, oh, there's the result. Bing, but, you know, maybe it, it, it needs a better name. You know, it's a, a silly word, but it's a real word. Google word. Google, silly word, real word. Um, or was it was it a real word? Was Google a real word? It's spelled differently. I think it's yeah. G-U-G-O-L yeah. or something. Yeah. It means That's, like 12. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very big number. Big number, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think, you know, it just needs better better you know better concept better pr does bing it is uh i haven't used bing in ages i mean i suppose i imagine there's bing technology behind the windows store i don't know for definite but you know um there must be something of that in there so you know i probably have been using bing but consciously i haven't used right. bing in a long time since i stopped using windows phone basically i think that bing has some good features like the bing i used to be called microsoft bing rewards now it's microsoft rewards it's not bad um it rewards you for searching and there's like little trivia questions and stuff every day you can do so that's that's all right um and it's like i don't use it very much but i've i've it's video like pop out features are, are decent like if you're searching for videos on bing you can like preview a video without leaving the page pretty easily so it's not terrible and you probably know yahoo is powered by bing too like right. Yahoo's search engine, which I don't think many, very many people use consciously, is just a wrapper on Bing. So it has something. I just don't think that it's enough for most people to stop using Google. I would. Um, I mean, I expected Microsoft to buy Yahoo some time ago. Um, that is a better name than Bing. That's a name that people recognize and remember and probably have some affinity for and affection for. So I do wonder whether that might come along at some point with Microsoft because they have been quite happy to spend cash over the past few years, haven't they? Yeah. With, uh, uh, LinkedIn, for instance. Do you know, this um, takes me back, and I'm, I am, again, going on a tangent. The, my very first internet online experience. Um, I'm, actually, I'm going to ask you yours first. And, and if there's any of our listeners who also want to get involved in this, because this is a fascinating topic of re recalling your very first uh, web experience, the first, thing you, the first website you visited. What was the first website you visited, Ben? The, the first website I visited, I, I can't remember that specifically. I remember having, I remember when we first got online, it was probably Windows 98 then. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, I remember when I was a kid playing online games with my dad, like, but we were both sitting at the same computer. There was a site we used to go to called Boxer Jam and it had like, like word linguistic games. Like there was a, I right. forget some of the names of them. It was like uh, out of order. And it was like, you were playing against other people. I mean, it was very simple. You know, it was like you're rearranging words and stuff. And there's like a, right. a leaderboard on the side as you're playing. But I remember doing that. I can't say this is the first site I went to, but those are some of my earliest memories. Okay. Like when we first got a computer that I could remember. Okay. Um, no, I may, I may be slightly off with this. Um, certainly in the World Wide Web era, um, as opposed to, you know, the bulletin boards and stuff prior to that. Uh, the first thing I, the first time I went on the web was uh, 
at um, I was visiting my friend, the same one I mentioned earlier, actually, at Sheffield University uh, here in the UK. And he had to go to lectures, so he left me in the library, um, which was kitted out with these huge 386s and 486s. And he gave me, uh, I think he lined me up, I think he sort of gave me, yeah, he had to put his password in and everything, and he gave me um, access. And the homepage was excite.com which is um like yahoo was which was around at the same time and uh, aol although aol was also a uh, isp it had like an online presence and everything um but this was the age of like the web portal so like yeah. the search engine that also like gave you the news gave you suggestions showed you, you know, the, the usual yeah all that kind of thing and so from excite the first thing i um googled was doctor who um, and this is back in 1996 or 7, 6. We'll say 6, 1996, uh, which, um, you know, um, Doctor Who hadn't been on air for a few years and there was a new Doctor Who coming along. So I was quite interested in finding out a bit more about that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but everyone has a different story about the first time on the web and it's quite a fascinating thing. It is like how it, it's like how it evolved. Like you can almost yeah. kind of tell, like when it. Even if someone didn't remember, you can almost kind of tell when their first time online was, just based on like, I went to, I was on this website or I used this service, like stuff that might not have existed earlier or later than yeah, that. Yeah. I do yeah. remember as a kid. I don't remember exactly when this was. Maybe like two thousand or two thousand one or so. I remember, um, like I like I don't know. If, if I don't know if I, I didn't know about Google or what, but I like when I when I wanted to like go to a website, it would just be like I've been playing the game Crash Bandicoot, so I just went to CrashBandicoot.com or whatever. It was just like, is there a website here? No. Okay, we'll just try something else. Like it was really? like you weren't googling yeah. to find stuff. It was just like go to whatever.com. I remember that when I was younger. Wow. Now my my kids, they're uh, they're seven. They've been using the internet at school since they were five. Um, obviously guided by teachers um, and that's quite crazy but you know just something just hit me and that's teletext uh, which is um, I think you had it in parts of the US a um, long time ago it, what is it um, it comes through the TV through the aerial um, we, we have it in parts of the UK still and there are various projects to sort of revive it and it's basically it's a text service it comes through the tv and it hides sort of it comes in the tv signal uh, putting it in its most basic terms in the uk we had it from sort of mid 70s till about 10 years no actually this decade it was it was uh, running and that would give you sports news and it would give you national news and headlines and there'd be games you'd be able to hold a holiday you know, book holidays through it um things like that and every everything would have its own page number and you know you you would remember the page numbers you'd get to the point where like for instance i think sport was was it 600 on bbc cfax teletext sport 600 possibly 300 yeah 300 i think it was 300 for instance. so you got 300 on a saturday afternoon to uh, check the football scores for instance okay. um yeah, so um, I, that was kind of an internet-like experience before the internet, and they definitely had it. They had a similar system in France, uh, but that was um, connected to actual telephones with displays, and they could do more. They could like um, do banking and things like that through that. Oh wow! Very similar system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Okay, we have gone way off track, so let's bring things back onto our uh, onto our plan, our, our, our menu of uh, information for you, dear listener. Uh, classic Sega games on your smartphone. Doesn't matter whether you're using Android or using iPhone. Um, if you're a lover of Sonic the Hedgehog or Golden Axe, which is a fantastic arcade game when I was a kid. Uh, no, the old stand-up arcade machines. I say old because you can still get them, but uh, you know that was that was one of the classics. Uh, is uh, things like Crazy Taxi on the on yeah. the um, yeah on the Dreamcast, uh, and there's there's a couple of fighting games like Revenge of Shinobi, which uh, I I just couldn't handle when I was a kid, so I never bothered it. And Space Harrier, Space Harrier was another great arcade machines in the eighties. Uh, these games have all kind of um, had various revivals over the years, but now. There's this uh, whole system called Sega Forever, which is on iPhone and Android. And you can get these games free on your smartphone or tablet. There is an option to pay, which would get rid of adverts and allow you to uh, save to the cloud and save your progress, which obviously is something you couldn't do on an arcade machine or on any other 8-bit, 16-bit platform. Uh, Save your program, unless it was like a text adventure or a a point-and-click adventure. Uh, these are fantastic. I've uh, I've uh, I mean, I've gone through a, a load of these for MakeUseOf.com, and I've spent a bit of time playing uh, them all. I I spent time time playing Sonic the Hedgehog. And let me tell you, I hate Sonic the Hedgehog with as great a passion now as I did in 1991. You know what? I am not a Sonic fan either. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't hate Sonic. Yeah. Um, it's actually a very interesting. Like if there's a game I would want to like get someone's like figure out where they're coming from as like a, like what, what games they loved as a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I Sonic would be what I would ask about would be one of right. them. I never played. So I'm not to get into a ton of history, but I didn't have a Genesis when I was younger. I played the Sonic games through the Sonic mega collection on the GameCube, um, which had a lot of his classics, not every single one, but it had the first three. Um, and I, yeah, I, I love platformers and I don't think that Sonic's, Maybe it's just the, what what I like out of level design, but I don't find Sonic engaging. I don't like yeah. the um, I, the speed is cool, but when you slow down, it's like when you speed, you go through the level so fast that you can't even tell what's going on. And when you go yeah. slow, it's like laborious. It's just like so slow. Yeah. Um. And there are parts where that are super fun. I've heard Sonic Mania is really good. The new like the re um the re reviving so i do want to try that i haven't tried that yet but yeah i love platformers and sonic has never grabbed me i've tried to play through sonic 2 again recently i just don't that wouldn't be one i recommend if you're going to get into this collection yeah i i, I think you're absolutely right with that um i, I would agree 100 percent with everything that you've just said there really it's um there was a game on the amiga around the same time kind of a sonic inspired game called zool uh which was like this kind of marvin the martian sort of a physical appearance of and uh he basically did the same thing as sonic instead of spinning that way he spun that way to break uh-huh. things up or whatever and i think that was less boring and laborious doing the slow bits uh it might he, he was a little bit fast when things were going a bit better and and the spinning stuff would you know give you give you a bit of a thrill and clear stuff up quickly and i think that i think they knew then that there was a little bit of a problem with sonic you know if it's too fast you miss stuff if it's too slow, you can start getting discouraged. Right. I played a um, a while ago. I was looking into uh, emulating Dreamcast games on the Raspberry Pi, and I played the Dreamcast Sonic game, and that was absolutely uh, 
a dreadful sort of 3D game. It yeah, really... Sonic Adventure. There, yeah. there. That game is very. I had Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which was like the the remaster, not remaster, but like the deluxe version on the GameCube. Okay. But the first Sonic Adventure, same thing. It's really interesting to me how when you look back at Sonic's past, there are so many games where it's like this game. You know, Sonic Adventure had growing pains compared to like Mario 64, which is still pretty well revered today. And even a lot of the modern Sonic games just really aren't that. Even Sonic fans say they're really not that good. Mm. I, it, it's interesting to me how, like, when you look at series that have had a good game after good game, and, and Sonic has so many missteps. I mean, I, I don't hate Sonic, but one of my favorite YouTubers is a huge Sonic fan. I love hearing him talk about like why he loves it and everything. But it's just it's it's never really grabbed me. But yeah, yeah, I it's a he's a polarizing character. He certainly is. Uh, so. There are, I mean, I, I've um, compiled a list of 10, but there are more than 10 uh, classic Sega games that you can play for free, legally, because they're released by Sega, uh, on your phone, on tablet. Uh, you know, those games that you were playing as a kid, they are there to play, sitting in iTunes, or the, the Apple App Store, the, the, the iPhone App Store, or on Google Play. So uh, I wouldn't like you to leave the podcast now, but... You know, if you're watching this on YouTube, just open another tab and have a look while we carry on, because we're, we're now going to uh, have a something a bit more practical. Uh, PC temperatures. Uh, a lot of PCs run into trouble because they're too hot, and heat is often caused by dust and reduced airflow, which then causes more heat, which sure. then slows down your computer. And often, if you've got your computer, and we're talking like towers, although we're also talking laptops as well, if you're prone to kind of stuffing your laptop under the sofa, or down the side of the sofa, or just keeping it in a generally dusty area, uh, you know, heat is bad for computers. It slows things right down. And, you know, there are a number of kind of internal things that you can do. Well, we're not going to go into that, because you don't want to do anything like that do you what you want is a quick and easy hello is a quick and easy method of speeding your computer up if you suspect it's getting hot and basically i mean i think i know what the answer is ben what would you say the answer was to that keep it from getting hot um in general i would say yeah try to blow it out with some canned air once in a while to yeah. get rid of dust and um you know, don't run super intensive programs all at the same time. If, if that's sure. most computers should be able to handle that. But yeah, dust is the biggest thing. Yeah. I had some friends in this, this is, you just have been working to say this, but I had some friends in college too, where like you, we, they gave us like sleeves you know, to carry our, our computers to and from classes and everything. And sometimes you would put your computer to sleep, um, but it would get woken up by like a program that was checking for something or like you would bump a button on your mouse or whatever, and it would wake up in your bag. Um, and if you do that and you know, your computer's awake in your bag for an hour and you don't realize that can be really bad too. But yeah, yeah. Any kind of yeah. blocked ventilation is, is dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it is dust. It is ventilation. It is those holes on your computer that are getting clogged up with dust. I have seen some absolute sights of um, blocked ventilation, blocked power supply units on the back of computer towers, uh, which obviously isn't ideal either, From not just from a computer power point of view, but also from the general electrical point of view. And um, certainly powerful vacuum cleaners and compressed canned air, they are vital but also 
it's not just the computers that you need to keep dust free. It's also the, the environment, the surrounding area. Um, pets as well. Sadly, um, creatures that tend to um, leave a lot of hair behind. Sure. That they can also be a problem. I remember cleaning out a computer that I think my dad had got hold of. Uh, and it was actually the, the entire system was clogged with dust and animal hair. And, you know, it would it was shutting itself down after five minutes every time you booted it up. And, you know, this is what happens if you've got a computer that is, you know, switching itself off, is slowing down horrendously. Do check for dust and perhaps animal hair and try and keep it. Try, definitely vacuum it out with, with a good, powerful vacuum cleaner, uh, like a Dyson or that kind of um, cyclone device. Use the kind of compressed air, as Ben says. Uh, but also then move your computer into a different place carpets are bad for computers as well so if you do have it on a carpet or rug uh you know there is a reduced airflow around the machine there keeping it too close to walls again sure. that's bad and it's the same it's, it's it's wow it's the same thing with um like game consoles too i wrote an article a little bit ago that it was a detailed guide on how to clean out a ps4 it's similar with pretty much anything yeah. um you know it, it, particularly with a game system could be with if you have a desktop for a media computer or something if it's in an enclosed space you know if you if you shut the door and it's in a little drawer in your entertainment center that's going to restrict the the flow of air and the heat's going to build up so that's no good so if you if you have a desktop and it's sitting on carpet you can get little um like feet to put on the computer to, to raise it up a little bit especially because most fans blow down for the power yeah. supply so you don't want to have obviously the fan having zero or very little room to blow out the heat that's coming from the power supply yeah definitely i, I mean i personally I, I i would um suggest a a hard solid flat surface rather than carpet or any other type of fabric but uh obviously you're restricted by where you live but do put your computer in a place where it can get good airflow around it and through it and is dust free or minimal dust around and animal hair free as well and you should find that things tend to speed up i mean it may be that damage has been done already to the cpu or the motherboard or the hard drives or the memory fingers crossed it hasn't uh they're pretty resilient these days computers so yeah it'll probably shut down before damage is done yeah to protect itself but if you do it over and over or if it gets extreme if you live in a really hot area it could be damaged beyond repair but hopefully it's just if it shuts off let it cool down and then take action absolutely uh we have um a final topic now which is uh around the topic of um comments on social media uh i think specific specifically youtube but uh this tends to be a topical uh item which we kind of didn't realize at the time did we not really no no but uh um following uh the events at the weekend uh i um the the the, the gab website which is a kind of um twitter-esque or is it it's kind of it's a weird yeah it's kind of twitter-esque social media site uh social networking site which is um been uh ditched by its web host um, because of uh, hosting a comment by the perpetrator of a massacre at the weekend. Uh, there is a kind of... Then they've been taken offline, and, you know, they're moving hosts. 
So they've got another host lined up. We're talking about one comment by one murderer on one website, which not very many people use, when we then have websites that many millions of people, possibly billions, I don't know, use. And they seem to be getting a buy on hosting threatening, abusive, harmful terrorist literature, uh, you know, anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic, transphobic messages. There is a, I mean, Ben's produced an article called 15 of the worst YouTube comments that really need to die. Uh, Maybe I should pass it to you. I I feel that there needs to be an improvement in discourse online, but I'm probably not alone in that. And uh, like many other people, I don't really see how that could happen. I mean, is there anything that you picked up writing this that you thought, well, sites could be doing this, this and this? Yeah, well, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm going to kind of split what I want to say into two two different parts here. Because my article was kind of more like um, less like serious stuff. It was more yeah, just yeah. kind of like dumb comments. Um, if we'll just go through a, qu- a couple here quickly. You, I, most YouTube videos you'll see, um, you know, someone comments first because they have to tell everybody that they were the first one to the video, which is dumb because you can't even sort comments by uh, which ones are newest. Um, people, I think it's just like a people want to get thumbs up on their comments, which is pointless anyway. Cause it's, you know, is anyone else listening to this in 2018 or, um, you know, did anyone else find this music video from whatever game 10 years ago or, um, you know, anyone else they've liked this band from the beginning or whatever. Um, so I think that in general, YouTube comments are just kind of low quality. Um, but on a larger scale with, with comments, I think that that's something, um, Overall, I mean, we, I've written an article about this, like we alluded to with the free speech thing. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of – how do I phrase this? A lot of sites uh, – social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and everything, they've, they've had this – they have like safe harbor status because they're not responsible for what their users post. So if someone goes on and posts something really nasty or hateful or anything like that, um, Facebook isn't – endorsing that opinion or whatever so they're not held responsible for it but once they start curating and and promoting this or that you know like like they're selecting what what they're showing any of these sites then they don't really have that that safety of what you know we didn't we weren't we weren't endorsing that or that type of thing so i do think it's interesting with gab i mean i we talked about a little bit before the show i i have a gab account i've barely spent five minutes on it but To the, the fact that I think the scary part is the fact with Gab that they're being blacklisted by like every they've already, you know, Apple and Google have already kicked the Gab app off of their app stores because it has, you know, hateful content or whatever, um, just because they don't like it. So, you know, the, people always say, well, if you don't like Twitter's rules or you don't like Facebook's rules then just build your own website, well, then Gab tries to do that and then they're not really able to because they're getting blacklisted by them. PayPal won't work with them. Um, I think so regardless of how you feel about, you know, the content that's being posted on Gab or whatever, I think it is, it seems strange to single them out when, like you said, there's, there's horrible stuff that's posted on YouTube, Twitter, every second of every day. Yeah. I mean, there's dark, there's dark places on the internet, as you know, but you know, Reddit, that has some bad places, some bad conversations, you know, and again, nothing happens there. Facebook, you know, yeah, you can report comments and things, but quite often nothing gets done. Twitter, until recently, uh, 
you kind and, and this is in the past week because Twitter have just revised something as we spoke about in the last um, podcast. They've revised the rules and they're claiming to be more proactive about um, complaints now. Uh, so um, maybe Twitter are improving things, but yeah, why why send one site offline and not the others? You know that you know it sets a, it sets a bad precedent. It's it it you know it unle- it makes the playing field not level sure and it's you know it does it does this give those other sites the excuse to just carry on ignoring the stuff you know aren't the bigger sites surely they are more responsible they need to be more responsible they need to be setting the precedent they need to be setting like the right pr for this the right the tone for a smaller site to follow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that I'm generally more in the, um, like, not huge restrictions camp. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying there should be, you know, like, terrorist activity and stuff. I'm sure, not sure. saying that. But, like, um, like when I see some idiot say something rude or racist or whatever you want to say, any kind of all that on Twitter or YouTube, I don't, I don't think why is Twitter allowing this person to be here or, like, why is, like, I don't, like, I don't think most people really Unless it's like some major well-known figure, I don't think if I see some small time moron comment on YouTube, I don't think I'm holding YouTube responsible for this. Um, But I think that they need to take maybe reporting more seriously. I mean, you think in a company as big as them, they would have the resources to devote to reviewing um, claims or, you know, reporting comments that are abusive or whatever. So I don't know. It's a really sticky problem. I feel like what I think the biggest problem I have with it is that the big site, you know, the, the, the web hosting providers and, and Google and Apple are kind of ganging up on these small sites. And yeah, it's like a different standard, which I think is the problem. I don't yeah. hold YouTube responsible for stupid comments. So why should Gab go offline for someone exactly. doing something stupid? Yeah, it's um, hard to disagree with that. It it, it is. Uh, we can't have. Yeah, I mean, if you were using Gab, and you probably weren't, because not many people were. Uh, this probably isn't going to affect you. But wider, um, you know, taking this wide and taking another step, it it is. As I said at the beginning of this segment, it is important to consider online discourse in a more intelligent way, and maybe I don't, I don't want to say you know what grandparents tend to say if you haven't got anything nice to say don't say it but i think it certainly pays to maybe not send your first comment maybe think about it maybe delete it before you send it or save it as a draft and go back to it later and consider whether it really was as smart as you thought it was or as funny as you thought it was i think another part of it too and this is something like i said with the thumbs up on youtube upvotes on reddit i think part of it with online discourse like you're saying is that the the focus is so much on getting out like the the snappy response or the hot yeah. take or whatever it's not it's not like because like twitter i mean even with the, the the doubled character limit that they introduced last year or whenever that was or earlier this year um it's not like you see an idea like even like in in the in the perfect world of facebook like it's about discussion and commenting like how often do you see someone post an article or an opinion about whatever political social thing. And then you have like a reasonable discussion. You never see that. It's no, always no, like no. some, someone on Twitter is posting like a, a zippy take against whatever, you know, political figure or whatever social issue of the day. And that's a bunch of people retweeting and saying, Oh, you go man. Or, you know, this is great. It's not really, 
it's kind of just like rooting for your side. It's not like yeah. a, a, a good way to talk and just have, just have a discussion. You, it's not like we're trying, even if you're not going to change anyone's mind, it's just not a healthy, like, here's why I feel this way. Is this good or bad? Let's talk about it. Yeah. It's, I think yeah. Yeah. Social media is certainly a lot of people talk about certain politicians who may have contributed to uh, things becoming more polarized or partisan or extreme. Social media cannot be given a pass on this. Social media is the home of people taking extreme positions on things and arguing their points when the facts are staring them right in the face. Right. And and it's, yeah, it's just not a, it's a very, and with the tools that social media provides, I'm thinking of Twitter, but I mean, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, like, you know, retweeting and stuff like that. And there's all the blocking and everything, you know, if blocking in my mind is like, if something fits a spammer or some idiot that's sending a bunch of messages that are like just being an idiot, um, that's one thing, but like the whole, you know, I tweeted something, you disagreed with it. So I'm going to call you a troll and block you. Like that doesn't, that doesn't really get anywhere. I think that it's very easy to just, I'm going to follow all the people that agree with me. I'm going to block anyone that doesn't agree with me. And this, this is how the world is. That's, that's not a very good thing. Anyway, slice it. Yeah. I think, uh, no one to drag this section out any longer. I think there is, uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. Um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm beginning to feel the uh, number of hours I've been awake today. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that does uh, bring us to the end of this really useful podcast. Uh, I think if you're going to take any way, anything away from this uh, this podcast this week, it is um, you can go and play your favorite classic Sega games on your phone. Uh, you can stop your computer from overheating just using a vacuum cleaner and a can of air without having to open it. And uh, you really probably need to uh, improve your online discourse if you bother with that kind of thing. And it's, uh, you know, a lot a lot is made of social media and a lot of companies hanker after their social media audience or even <laughs> hanker chief. Uh, in the case of Kleenex and the man-sized tissues, that was the worst pun ever, but I'm going with it. Uh, <laughs> most people aren't on social media. That's the amazing thing. To, so to find companies sort of like spotting uh, something that a small group of people disagree with or want to happen and then following that to gain short-term benefits um, really doesn't feel great for the majority uh, it really just seems odd and strange and a bit cliquey. However, I digress. Um, do you know, we didn't talk about uh, selling your phone on no, eBay we didn't. We instantly. That. So we should probably just quickly do that before we do depart and uh, go our separate ways and leave you uh, waiting for our next really useful podcast. If you've got an old phone, there's different ways you can get rid of an old phone. You could basically, you know, once you've done the factory reset, uh, you could give it to someone to use. You could use it as a, a webcam. You could use it as a security cam. You could use it, you could give it to a child to use it as a tablet or something like that. You could give it to charity uh, for third world places, uh, which will, you know, the, the beneficiaries of those phones will be, uh, yeah, you know, getting people online in third world countries is pretty important. Sure. Uh, however, eBay have now made it easy to sell the phone. And 
basically they've um, they've done a few uh, upgrades in their systems over the past few years at eBay. Uh, for instance, it's a lot easier to buy car parts now simply by uh, entering your uh, number plate, uh, tapping into um, you know, gaining access to national registration databases around the world, North America, UK and Europe. Uh, eBay is able to g give you the information that you need about your car and make sure you're buying what's correct for your car and not for like the older model or the next model. Right. Amazon um, does that too and it's definitely yeah, uh, appreciated. Definitely. And uh, e eBay have started uh, giving uh, a, a much easier way of listing a phone. Uh, it's not quite in the same degree, but uh, it's easy to, you know, you can do them, you know, they've, they've invented templates on eBay a few years ago, which makes it quicker to list things. And now there's a phone specific template, basically, which you can access uh, from a computer or even from your phone to sell the actual phone that you're using for selling your phone on the phone on eBay for phoning or something like that. Uh, Instant selling isn't available for all phones um, with only a selection of relatively recent handsets eligible. This is no doubt because these are the, the big hitters, the ones that people sure. are looking for. They don't, want, they don't want people selling a bunch of old junkers and exactly. then they have no way to get rid of them. Yeah, I've got – I actually – accidentally, for, a, for a, an assignment, for a, for a pitch, I actually bought an old Windows phone oh boy. a couple of years ago, Windows Mobile 6, in fact, uh, which was slightly annoying because – I had so many of them back in the day. I was quite surprised to find that I didn't have any of them left. So I bought one of these and it turned out the screen didn't work. So I couldn't actually do what I wanted to oh. do. Was such a pain. Uh, but yeah, if you have a phone that you want to get rid of and it's like a recent iPhone or a recent Samsung or some other big hitting phone, eBay have the tools for you to do that really quickly. As with everything we've discussed in this week and previous really useful podcasts, uh, we will provide you with the links that you need to uh, reference our discussions in the show notes uh, whether you're watching on youtube or listening uh, through itunes or any of the other sites uh, that host podcasts uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us please share this um, to anyone that you feel would benefit from anything we've discussed today i'm thinking people keen on retro games but don't want to mess around with like specialist systems people who maybe have a computer that keeps switching itself off um and um maybe even you know people who aren't keen on google recording their activity online please subscribe to us on youtube subscribe to us on itunes as well um if you're uh, on itunes leave us a review that would be magnificent uh any way you want to get in touch with us to um suggest uh topics of conversation or just give some feedback um you can leave a comment on youtube of course or you can contact myself on twitter i am the gadget monkey uh i'm also on facebook with the same name just send us a message uh ben your twitter handle it is uh stegnersaurus s-t-e-g-n-e-r oh it's s-a-u-r-u-s -E yeah I, I use that pretty much everywhere um i started swapping it to stegsaurus um after a while just for like playstation and stuff where i don't really want to have my whole name my whole <laughs> last name on it but yeah that's my i i've i've been using that for quite a while so that's fantastic that's, that. that's, yeah. that's that's just the best nickname i think well, for anyone who likes dinosaurs, anyway, I suppose. I think uh, it is, yeah. It's 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 hard to come up with like a like everyone for like their email and their like online like like their um like 
name on whatever online game or whatever like always you have to use some funny thing from your childhood or whatever so i'm glad i have that one there's like just use for everything i don't have to think about it (laughs) definitely brilliant uh so thank you for joining us we will be back next week uh there's something planned i think so uh, i'll I'll keep that under wraps for now and i'll uh, follow me on twitter and i'll maybe share that uh closer to the time excited Uh, yeah until then uh from ben and myself it's goodbye take care goodbye